the best bargain ever is our theme for this evening. Here we are still in January and many shops are still trying to make you part with your hard-earned cash, even after many have spent more than they can do over the Christmas period. Many a business are having their clearance and uh, they're seeking to uh, put their goods on offer in such a way that it makes it irresistible for you to buy their things. Of course, the truth is that for many of these bargains, they're actually a scam, aren't they? <laughs> they perhaps have their original retail price for a week or whatever it is necessary, and then they put out the number with a big line through it. You're making an incredible saving. All you need to do is buy it now. It is amazing, isn't it, what a big number with a line through it can make us do. If we feel feel we're getting a good deal, then we're willing to part with our money. God has a bargain for us and it's the very best bargain that there possibly can be in all the world and we're going to be thinking about that bargain this evening perhaps for many of us we've already taken the offer that God uh, uh, puts forward and before us well in which case then we ought to treasure it all the more and marvel at it And if we haven't yet taken advantage of this offer, well, how important it is that we know what that bargain is and how we can take hold of it. What is this bargain? Well, we're going to be considering this passage we read earlier in Isaiah chapter 55. And there are three main things we're going to be thinking about this bargain. And the first is that God offers to us the best goods. He offers to us the very best goods. When we buy something, there are two basic considerations, aren't there, to whether we consider it to be a good deal or not. Those two things are need and quality. Is what you're buying something that you actually need? And is it something that is of good and worthwhile quality? And by both of those metrics, God's offer is of the very best kind. He gives to us the best goods. Because in the first place, he provides for our basic needs. What God offers to us is absolutely essential for us. Again, if if you're buying something that you don't need, we wouldn't consider that to be a good bargain, would we? That's a waste of money. Look then at verse 1 of Isaiah 55. What is it that God is offering to us? Is it what we need? He says, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. God offers to us that which is absolutely fundamental. I want to tell you a little story. There was a certain woman and she was desperately thirsty. But she hardly knew it. She knew she had a need but but didn't really realize how to satisfy that need. 
And so she went out to the shops and she bought herself a new dress and a new pair of shoes. And she thought that perhaps fresh style, beauty, would satisfy her. But it didn't meet her need. And so she went out again and she thought, well, perhaps if I buy myself a, a new TV, perhaps entertainment will satisfy my thirst. But of course, it didn't meet her need. Finally, this lady, she went out and bought some new jewelry. She thought that perhaps status would meet her need. But she died of dehydration. Oh, let me tell you of a certain man. This man was desperately hungry. But he hardly knew it. He knew he had a need, but he didn't know how to satisfy it. And so this man went out and bought some books. He thought that perhaps knowledge would satisfy him. But his books did him no good. He was still starving. He went out then and spent his money on a new car. Perhaps thrill and exhilaration in life will satisfy him. But again, it did him no good. And finally, in absolute desperation, he bought himself a new business. Perhaps a right career path and success will finally meet his need. But he died of starvation. Maybe these stories seem a bit silly to you this evening. Who does that? But here's the truth. This is you and this is me. In desperate need. Filling ourselves and our lives with all kinds of things that don't satisfy us. And maybe you don't realize that this evening, that you have a far more fundamental need that is driving your desire for all of these other things, but you're just piling these things into a big black hole. And what use then are all the deals and bargains in the world if you die? Or as Jesus puts it in the Gospels, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul. Spiritually, we are in a desperate condition because we are dying. And as we fill our houses and fill our garages and fill our lives with all kinds of pleasures, good things in their own place, but that do nothing to satisfy our souls, they just leave us more and more empty. And death draws ever nearer. The Bible then tells us that God offers to us something that is of a very different kind. He offers something that is a principal provision that meets our basic need. And that is very simply this. Salvation. That's what it is. That is what God offers to us. And maybe again we don't realize it. But that's what we need. We need rescuing from eternal death. And the only answer is Jesus Christ. He's described again in the Gospels as the water of life and the bread of life. The one who meets the needs of our souls, who gives to us spiritual life. Since we naturally are cut off from God, the source of life. But Jesus is the one who is able to provide all we need in knowing God again. We see that, don't we, in verse 3. He says... Uh, Incline your ear and come 
To me, he says, come to me, here that your soul may live. Life is on offer, and where is that life to be found? It is to be found in God himself. God alone can offer to you this life, something that you will not find anywhere else. So God's offer then, it provides for our basic needs, but also God provides the best quality. He doesn't just provide the principal provisions we need for our lives. He provides premium pleasures. That's the other element, isn't it? When you consider buying something, you think about the quality of it. Is it a good brand? Has it been made well? Is it going to actually last? Of course, if you're spending your money on something that's bad quality or spending above the value of an item, that doesn't count, does it, as a good deal? What then of, of, of God's deal? Are we finding something that actually is is not really good quality? Well, look with me again at verse 1 of our text. He says, Come who thirsts, those who come to the waters, he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. God offers the finest of provisions. He doesn't just offer water. He offers wine and milk, which... I mean, particularly for those days, I mean, even today, wine and milk are more expensive than a, than a cup of cold water out the tap. But especially it was in those days, wine and milk were the, were, were, were the kinds of drinks for the feast occasions. And this is what God offers to us for free. You see, then God doesn't just offer to us the essentials, but he gives to us the very best. God's invitation isn't just to his soup kitchen, he invites us to his banquet hall. You see, there are some people who think that the Christian life is the most dull and boring kind of life possible. Well, sadly, sometimes we as Christians don't help uh, that perception. Maybe our lives do seem rather dull and we, we don't make the Christian life seem uh, very full of joy and life. Maybe we could do better in that regard. But here's the truth, the Christian life is and certainly should be the one that is most filled with pleasure and wonder. Just consider these things with me for a moment. Imagine that you could share your life with the creator of the universe. Imagine that you could have access into the presence of infinite love. Imagine that you could draw upon the power of Almighty God. Imagine that you could have perfect peace with the judge of all the earth. Imagine that you could live a life of excitement, of coming resurrection from the dead, and of seeing the God-man returning to this earth in glory. Imagine living in a new creation free from sorrow and death forever. What You put to me any kind of life that is better than that kind of life. There isn't one. There are no greater or better pleasures than this kind of life. You see, God doesn't just stop us from falling into into hell, eternal death, but he gifts us heaven. Heaven on earth now as he gives us fellowship and heaven to come, the new creation. This is premium quality. These are the very best of goods, and this is what God offers to us. 
Maybe again you're here tonight and you know what this deal is and you've already taken hold of it and you've tasted something of the richness of the food that God offers to us. Do we appreciate its richness as we should? And I wonder what this passage reminds you of. Think with me for a moment. What ties together bread and wine and covenant and fellowship and a greater Davidic king than David? What comes to mind? Is it not the Lord's Supper? Is it not the communion table, that banquet feast which we are able to come and and, and join in fellowship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ and take Christ in as it were as we're reminded of his death upon the cross for us? Perhaps here is an application for us as believers. Do we appreciate the Lord's Supper as we should? And do we delight in it? Do we feast upon Christ when we come to that table? And do we realize the privilege it is that we have to live with the knowledge that God is our God and Christ is our Savior? And these truths are true for us every single day. You can wake up every morning and say, Christ is mine. The best of goods are mine. It doesn't matter if I die today. Christ is mine. God has given me the finest of goods. Ought we not to be so thankful to him for the Lord Jesus Christ and enjoy fellowship, enjoy fellowship with our God. The best goods, but we see also the best price. Again, what do we have here in in this passage? He says, doesn't he, those who have no money are able to come by and eat. They're to buy without money and without price. This is amazing. The price of an item is often the biggest difference, isn't it, as to whether we buy something or not. 10% off, pretty good. 50% off, well, it's half price, that's a good deal. 80% off, well, that's positively a steal, isn't it? When did you last see 100% off? Maybe you spotted something on free cycle that you can pick up for free. But we've just spoken, haven't we, about how these are the best goods. (laughs) You might find a cracked TV screen or something on FreeCycle, but but you're not going to find something of really high quality and value. Here we have something of great value that is 100% off for free. Now, what perhaps is going through our minds when you see something that seems to be incredibly valuable that's going for free? what, What goes through our minds? Scam. That's what's going through our minds, isn't it? Have you ever had an email before? You have won £10,000. Just click here. You think, well, it's my lucky day. No, usually we think, and I hope you do think, please, if you've had an email like that, don't click. We know, don't we? It's a scam. They want your details. They want the money off you. You're not going to get anything out of them. What then of God's offer? Is is God's offer a scam? Salvation for free? Then we have very cynical natures, don't we? How is is God doing this? What's the catch? What's the small writing? What What are the terms and conditions that we haven't seen? God offers to us water here in this passage. And we we come to God and say, Oh, I want that water. 
Well, here's a spade, God says. Go and dig your own well and find the water. God offers to us milk. We turn up for the milk. But God says, well, here's a baby calf. And you've got to raise it until it becomes a cow. And then you can milk it yourself. God offers to you wine. You turn up for your, for your wine. And God says, look, here's some seeds. Go and plant yourself a vineyard. Grow your own grapes and make your own wine. Is that what's on offer here? No. God offers to us the full goods as they are for free. Truly for free. There's no small print. There's no catch. You just need to come and take the offer. And so the question then still remains, how is God able to do this? It is because it has been paid for already. That's how. It's free for us. It's free for you and me. But it's not free for God. Because God has absorbed the cost of salvation. It's a challenge, isn't it, at the moment for various businesses. We're having this living cost crisis. And people are struggling. And we're struggling perhaps to cope with the prices, but the businesses are struggling to keep the prices down because their own processes and manufacturing and their own goods that they have to, 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 to put in the shops, all of that is more expensive for them. And it's a challenge for them to know how much of the cost to absorb themselves and how much they have to pass on to the customer. But here's the amazing thing. God doesn't go halfway house and say, well, I'll absorb some of the cost and you've got to pay the rest. No, he takes the full expense. And you and I are right to think that such an immense thing as salvation is a very costly thing to pay for. It is worth very much. The worth of salvation is this, the eternal death of a human soul. That is what salvation costs. And that's the reason, as we mentioned earlier, that we're all on the path to death. That's why we're all dying. Because We don't have salvation. We don't know God. And we can't pay the price of the death of our souls. It's too much for us. We have no moral finance to purchase heaven. We have no holiness of our own to buy salvation. And if we are to give ourselves and our whole souls, it is but for an eternity of judgment. Indeed, even our very attempts to try to earn heaven only put us into greater debt. And so here then is the good news. God has taken that expense because he has taken on human nature in the person of Jesus Christ, his own son. And as a man and as God himself, the God-man, His soul was able to suffer the full punishment of sin in a way that we never could and never can. And he did so upon the cross. The immeasurable debt that is ours, our rebellion, our anger, our greed, our lies and our lust, all of it, Christ took the full penalty at the cross. And so then our debt has been paid out of a heavenly pocket. Yes, it took the death of God's own son. It was very costly for God. There was nothing bigger or more valuable that he could have given. 
but he has given his own son and he has shed his precious blood and how precious it is for our salvation if we will trust in him we see this wonderfully explained for us and expounded for us in Ephesians and chapter 1 it's a it's a glorious passage full of of how we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ but then in verse 7 it says this in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ the riches of God's grace by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Many think that God is stingy. God only helps us if we really twist his arm. Of course, it's the very opposite. God is the most generous. God offers to us eternal life for free. The problem is not God's generosity. The problem is our willingness to accept God's gifts. We want God so often to give us everything but salvation. Very often, this is the truth, people say, well, I've asked God for this and he never gave it to me. I asked God for that and he never provided it. So I don't believe in God. Well, let me suggest this to you. Maybe, just maybe it is that God is holding those things back from you that you might know just how generous he has been in giving his son, Jesus Christ. He wants to make you aware of your true need And his provision, the astonishing bargain that is for you in Jesus Christ. And maybe if he provided all those other things, you would be called to your need. Here we have the best price because it's been paid for. It's on offer without price for us. And so why don't you buy it now? Buy it now. Perhaps there's been many a time where you've impulse bought something. (laughs) Oh, it looks like a great deal, you think, and you, 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 you buy it. And then the regrets start to come. And you think, oh, no, I shouldn't have spent my money in that way. And it's, oh, it wasn't really a, as good of a deal as I thought it was. I just, I bought it in the moment. Not so with this. Not so with this bargain. Here is the best buy. I'd encourage you, as it were, to, to, to impulse buy, as it were. Don't, don't come unthinkingly, but come now. Realize how out of pocket you are. Your bank account is in the red spiritually. But Christ has come as a, as a heavenly benefactor who wants to give you the gift of eternal life. Will you receive it from his hand? Take hold of this offer of salvation in him. It's no good, is it, if you see an offer in a shop window. Oh, it looks like a great offer, you say. And on you walk. You've got to go in, haven't you? You've got to go into the shop and take advantage of the offer. Will you then look to Christ and trust him fully? The best price is there before you. Buy it now. Maybe all of that isn't enough for you. The best goods at the best price. But here is the final thing. The best guarantee. I don't know if you've ever watched adverts for... Swiss watches. You know, sometimes come, uh, items come, don't they, with it? They say, lifetime guarantee. It's going to last you a lifetime. Well, not so with Swiss watches. They claim that you just buy it to look after it for the next generation. 
That's how good it is. It's not just a lifetime guarantee. It's a generational guarantee. Such it is with this offer. It's a promise that lasts. God guarantees that salvation will last not only for this life, but for eternity. We see that, don't we, in verse 3. Incline your ear, he says, and come to me here that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. David was perhaps the most famous king that Israel ever had, a great king, a godly king. And God made a covenant with David. That is a strong agreement, a promise, that one day David would have a descendant, a son, who would sit upon his throne and would rule forever and ever, a better king than David was, a faithful king who would show faithful love to a people of faith. And David himself then is given here, you see in verse 4, don't we? He's a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander to the peoples. David himself was an example of God's faithfulness to God's people. He was a good king. God had raised him up. And he's set then as an example and, and the reminder that just as David was a good king and God showed his faithfulness to his people in that way, so God is keeping his promise for one day when he sends this greater king. And wonderfully, We live in this age where we know who that is. He's come already. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so God has yet again proved that he keeps his word. He never breaks a promise. And so through him he gives to us this eternal guarantee. You will never find a defect with salvation. Maybe you've bought something before and you've found that it breaks down just just a few days after you've purchased it. It's worthless. Not so with salvation. You cannot find a defect with it. You can put it through suffering. You can put salvation through disappointment. You can put it through danger. You can put it through sorrow. You can put it through death itself. And it will never give way. It will never fail. It cannot. Because God's promise holds true. And it will not fail neither on the the ultimate test, which is the final judgment day when Christ comes again. And you'll find that on that day, God's bargain holds fast. It won't be that God will say, well, I know I said I'd let you into heaven, but you know what? I've changed my mind. Sorry, I don't want you anymore. Didn't didn't you read the little writing that that I can change my mind at any time? And and I'm sorry, that's what I've decided to do. No. The scriptures assure us God is unchanging and his word remains steadfast. And if God has sent you may enter heaven, who is going to stop you? You have the best of guarantees with this offer. What then do you consider of this bargain this evening? What do you consider of what God offers to you for free This is what the Apostle Paul thought of what God had to offer. The read of this in Philippians in chapter 3 from verse 7. Allow me to read these words to you. Paul says, Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. 
For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, as dung, literally, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Do you see, he knows he doesn't trust in his own righteousness. He isn't trusting his own spiritual finance. He rests himself completely in what God offers in Jesus Christ. The knowledge of Christ, he says, is better than anything else. It is of surpassing superlative greatness. Peter, uh, Paul, took advantage of the great deal that God offers. And so my question for you then is, have you taken hold of it as well? Let me warn you that it is a limited time offer only. That's always the way, isn't it, with these bargains? They want you to think that you can't come back again and get it at the same price. They want you to impulse buy, don't they? Get it now before it's more expensive again. So you'll save money. They want you to buy it now. Well, such does God wish for you. You see, this passage here in Isaiah 55, this is God speaking. And he speaks to you and he says, come now. Look at verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Now is the time. Don't put it off. Don't say, well, I'll come by again. I'll come another time and see if it suits me. No, this is an urgent offer. I cannot guarantee you tonight that you will find salvation another day. Who is to say that you will indeed be back here? Who is to say that you will hear this message again? But only this can I assure you of. If you come today, you will find salvation in Christ. If you repent of sin, and if you trust in him, you will find Christ to be true to his word. He will not cast out anyone who comes to him. And so I want you to imagine then again the shop window. There's a huge poster in the window. And it says, salvation on offer, 100% free. A guarantee forever and ever. Today only. Come and get it. Come and get it. The best goods at the best price with the best guarantee and all found in Christ alone. Do you have Christ? That is the great question. For those of us who have him, let us ever feed upon him. He is the richness for our souls. Let Jesus be your life and let him ever be on your lips. And may God help us, as it were, to be the best salesmen and women of the Lord Jesus that we can be. Because he is all we have. Everything else is passing away. But Christ remains and his people remain. And if we belong to him, what a wonderful, joyful, glorious truth that is for us. Well, may God bless his word to us. And we're going to close by singing 731 which reflects on these themes. Jesus, the joy of loving hearts, fountain of life 
light of men, from the best bliss that earth imparts, we turn unfilled to you again. Oh, it really it is. It's a song for those who are already believers, who already know that the joy and peace that Christ brings and returning to him again. But maybe you'll be somebody who sings this for the first time and uses it as a prayer that you may indeed find Jesus to be the joy of your loving heart and the fountain of life for you. So we'll stand as we sing. 731.